After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Red Circle, also the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like, subscribe, turn the notifications on. We are hitting 25,000 subscribers this week. Also this week, we're going to have a new off the floor. The window service has been discontinued, so we're moving to Discord. Look for it later in the week. You're going to be able to subscribe, and trust me, you're going to get a lot more content than you got with the Winnow Tech Service. So be on the lookout for it. We'll be promoting it here on Five on the Floor and on the Five Reasons Sports Twitter account. Also, check out the great sponsors in the Five Reasons Sports Network. That includes Better Edge. Use the code 5RSN. Play in our weekly tournaments. If you use the code 5RSN, that's the number 5RSN, you get $20 to play our competitions are only 10 bucks. We've got NFL competitions, NBA competitions. This is legal sports betting, L-E-G-A-L, legal in 44 states, including the state of Florida, because you're betting against others who use it. It's social betting. You are not betting against the book. Check it out, betteredge.com. Use the code 5RSN. And now, today's episode. Down to Biscay. Yay. Uh, five on the floor. Ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing. You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buck to say, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing. Got an all band. Y'all seen the block. Stop with one hand. And Pat, we trust. It's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. We promise we're going to add Brady to that eventually. I've got a lot of working on it. Um, today's floor plan. I'm Ethan Skolnick. You can follow me at Ethan at J. Skolnick. I forgot my Twitter handle. Ethan J. Skolnick and the Five Reasons Sports. Sorry, this is my fourth podcast of the day. Alex Toledo, you can follow him at Tropical Blanket. And Brady Hawk, you can follow him at Brady Hawk 305. The Miami Heat are one and three on the season. They're returning home to play the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday. Brady and Alex will have coverage from the arena. So a couple of three home games here to try to get right, try to see who's healthy. But the season has not started well. There's no way around this. A lot of fans' worst fears, we're doing this on Halloween at about 2.15, have been confirmed. Some of the worst fears uh, confirmed in a very small sample size, obviously. But confirmed to this point, which was A, this team was going to struggle to stay healthy because they seemingly always do. B, one of the stars may not be able to carry quite the same way that he always has or used to because he didn't get enough help uh, and see that there would be some disconnection issues on this team for various reasons. These were things that we heard about in the offseason. And again, while it's hard to pinpoint one thing and every game has been a little bit different, uh, they are one in three. And their only win was a nail-biting win where they've kind of pissed away a big lead against Detroit and had to win it on the last play of the game against a team that is improved but is expected to be a lottery team, and that was a home game. So you're looking for green shoots, things to be encouraged about. 
I'm not sure we have a ton of those at the moment, but that can change with a three game home winning streak. But what we're going to go through is the concerns and what are we really scared about at this point, just four games into the season. Again, tiny sample size. So Alex, I will go to you uh, to lead us in our uh, little, little fright, uh, you know, in, in our little fright chase here to kind of figure out what is real, what is not, not, and what concerns us. Topic one, Alex. Well, topic one, it's, it's got to be Jimmy Butler. Like, it's he's the hot topic, right? I guess that also goes with the with the whole uh, theme of spooky season. And, and it's getting into those, uh, what, are the, what do the kids say now? Scary hours, right? We're getting right into the scary hours when it comes to Jimmy Butler. Um, and I, and I, I, honestly, like, we talked about it last night that it very much feels like, you know, he's going through the motions during the regular season, except he's, he's doing it at, like, a lower level right now. And you hope that comes back up. But I think the scary prospect is that it doesn't. And he just kind of, you know, um, you know, as as Miami, Heat, as our guys at Miami Heat beat were saying last night, that he mails it in for the season. Because I think that's worse than coasting or just kind of pacing yourself. Where it's like you get a Jimmy Butler that is not high impact. And I, and I, I don't feel like we've seen that actually throughout these four seasons. So I'm not sure that we're going to get that. I'm not saying... That's going to happen. But I think that is the scary prospect because what we've seen so far is just it's just bad. And like you look at some of the and and this is, again, very early stuff, very uh, small sample size. But through these first few games of this regular season, like the Heat are actually worse with Jimmy on the floor somehow. They're not good with him off. That's that's not to say that. Right. The numbers are bad with him off and they're worse with him on. And that's. I, that's got to change. Like that's simply got to change. Like that, you're not a team that can afford to do that, right? You were um, a couple of minutes away from being eliminated out of the play-in last season. They can't afford to be playing at that level. So that part is scary in itself. Then when you try to look for the good things, right? You try to like put Jimmy, Bam, and Tyler and their minutes together to see what types of uh, results you know those units are yielding. And that's like the the silver lining, except the silver lining isn't that great, right? Because that three-man unit in 44 minutes so far, plus 1.56, which is honestly, it's just barely above neutral, right? You should It should be way higher when you're talking about your best three players, right? And not only that, they're only, <laughs> they're only barely above neutral because of their three-point shooting with that three-man unit. And with the, you know, of course, the other two guys that are playing with those two at any given point, they're shooting 50% from three you know, when those three are on the floor together and from two, it's 37%. And I think therein lies the issue. And I think probably Brady will get into a little bit more, but it's like, if you're shooting 37% from two with your best three guys, your best three scores, your best three players on the floor, that's a problem. And I think Jimmy has a lot to do with it. We've all seen that he he's not really been himself um, when he has played. And it, it's, it's a scary prospect. They cannot, they don't have the margin for error, even with the depth, which we obviously haven't seen yet because of the injuries, but even with the depth that they have, they don't have the margin for error to to be able to afford like Jimmy playing at the level that he's playing right now. We talked about the word coasting last night. um, And it's a loaded word, right? Because it it makes it seem like he doesn't care about what's going on right now. Um, Preserving himself maybe might be a better word. Um, I I said last night on our post game show that I don't want to read into body language right now. Like it's too early in the season for this. 
And we also know that really all that matters to Jimmy is the end game is winning a championship. Okay. So I know that fans are assigning it to, he didn't get enough help. We've seen that stuff on Twitter. I I'm not going to go there. Cause I, I don't think that honestly, I don't think that's the case. Okay. And I don't, I can't know what's in his head, but based on my conversations with folks around him, I don't think that he's lost faith in the heat organization in general he certainly has not lost faith in his coach from what i've heard he's not lost faith in faith in pat i know that too uh or in andy okay so i i just again i hear too many positive things about the way jimmy feels about the organization that he wants to finish his career here this is not going to be a james harden situation which by the way uh check out my episode i did on on the youtube channel today on starting five about harden getting traded the clippers maybe we'll touch on that here at the end um but but Brady, I, so coasting is maybe not the word. Is he rusty? I mean, I, I don't. I mean, he didn't play in the preseason, right? So I, I don't know what to make of it. He just does not. He looks disconnected to me. I, I don't know if that's a loaded word, also. But he just he doesn't. And then I want to get into some of the Tyler numbers here too, because I wonder if that's related. But um, what do you think? What do you see? Yeah, I mean, it's easy to wor- use the word disconnected just because of the fact, like he's, I, I was using the word not involved last night. And that's what it seems to me. Like in the offense, he's not involved. But then you look at like when he does have the ball, like there's just been a lot of inefficiency, like just base numbers, like being, what was it, 33% from the field over three games? Like, yeah, that's, that can't be happening, especially when his old game is basically mid range down low and needing to be efficient. But I guess the whole topic is like what scares you. And, does it scare you that Jimmy Butler is playing like this? It that's not the part that scares me. Is it is it scaring you that you think he's slowing down and he's hitting a wall? No, that doesn't scare me either. I think the only thing that scares you about this is that like him playing like this could lead to what we saw last season and being in the same position that they were in last season because him maybe being disconnected for a month or two or a couple games and losing these games that th- this team is not built for Jimmy to just lag lag around and then they're just going to find themselves in a decent spot in the Eastern Conference like they need him to be good for this team to be good and maybe that's not a great thing in terms of roster construction at this state that you the whole goal is to get to the end and let Jimmy go crazy but I think that's the worry is that if Jimmy doesn't enter that mode more times than not that you're going to end up in a playing situation you're fighting for your playoff lives uh by April like, that's kind of the big thing. So I wonder, you know, we're going to have these Jimmy explosion games. I, I'm not worried about that whatsoever. I think that's coming. That's going to end up happening. But it's not going to happen consistently. Like, it's never happened consistently. Like, this idea that, like, we've seen, we've all seen this before. We've lived this. We've had this podcast before. And we've ended up in the same spot. I'm not just saying that they could coast their way into this spot and they're going to do what they did in the playoffs. But it's not that they're just, Jimmy's disconnected. He's not going to have these games anymore. And he's not going to take over. I just don't believe that this state so the issue i think is what we're going to flow into next is the reason that we're calling for this so much is because they don't have everything else that they don't have the next guy that they don't have everything else around them to make up for it but we'll see i mean three games at home he's i'm sure he'll probably play into the crowd a couple of those games if he plays all those games ideally if he's out there he's kind of playing into the crowd and maybe he can find a rhythm but i like the word you said rusty because maybe i think that would be best case scenario that would make people feel less scared if it is just him, Rusty. If it is that he's just shooting 33% and he's not getting to the line as much and he's not in like a the offensive mold. I think the worry is that 
this team did run it back, that it is the same offense, it is the same players, that he should be like not trying to figure it out. But maybe he's trying to figure out his own game and figure out. I know, Ethan, you've talked about playing off a guy like Tyler, who, by the way, maybe that's the thing because he has not played with Tyler for a long time. Maybe it's getting into the rhythm with Tyler that he just played so many games in the playoffs where it was him and him only. It was him dictating everything on the ball and making plays. And now it's like, okay, I have to learn to be on and off again. So maybe that's a part of being rusty. And like I said, I think that would be best case scenario from the fan base perspective. I think when you look at uh, what you mentioned about Tyler, I I do think that matters right now. And I, you know, they haven't had those reps together in a long time. And particularly after an off season in which we didn't even know if Tyler was going to be here. Tyler didn't know for a while if he was going to be here. And so now all of a sudden he is here and not only is he here, but he's in an elevated role. I actually thought it was interesting. Usage rate-wise, Bam has the highest usage on the team right now. Now, some of this is a lot of variance. The numbers are noisy. We're four games in. Jimmy didn't play a game. Bam didn't play a game. But Bam's usage rate is 31, and uh, Tyler's is 27, and Jimmy's is 22. Okay, so, I mean, he's clearly third among the three of them. Um, I looked at some of the passing stats today, or Brady, thankfully, you were able to help this old man find them. Uh, Brady, uh, Brady, what you found was... Basically, Jimmy's uh, Tyler's passing to Jimmy twice as much as Jimmy's passing to Tyler. Now, I, again, I'm not starting a controversy here, but mm. I think some would tell you the eye test is that Tyler's dominating the offense and not passing to anybody. The stats really don't bear that out. But again, we're so early on. Ethan, can I give I you a fun number? Be- yes. Because uh, I was I was looking it up while you guys were talking, and I think this may be the biggest plot twist, right? Because the season has just started so poorly, and right there, I was trying to find a silver lining before, and turns out, guys, the starting lineup is leaning offense through these first four games. They have a 125 offensive rating with their current starting lineup with Kyle, Tyler, and Love. They've only played 38 minutes together the entire five, but they're plus 19 uh, net rating with those guys on the floor together, and it's because of a 125 offensive rating. The bad news is that it's, they're doing it because they're shooting 54% from three as a unit and uh, only 40% from two. So I don't know if it's entirely sustainable. Yeah, I mean, that's the bad news is they've actually shot the ball better than we expected. Uh, and the, the defense is supposed to be the issue with that unit, but I, I want we'll get into that more in the second part of this. I just want to close the loop here on Jimmy a little bit. Um, I don't know how many teams in the league could sustain their top guy being out. Like, this is not, like, specific to the Heat. Like, I don't know how many teams in the league could sustain their top guy being out or underperforming. There's very few. I mean, I I don't think Golden State could. Uh, Phoenix, you could say that they could because we're not really clear who their top guy is. But Durant struggled a little bit without Beal and Booker. Uh, the other night against the Lakers, like it, it, it is a. It, I'm like this is not just the Heat that like need their top guy to play well, or you know will struggle if he's not at, at his best. Okay, so I'm expecting him to settle in as the season goes on. We're going to do this at the end of each of our three topics here. But for topic one, my level of concern about Jimmy on a scale of one to ten would be at most a three. I'm kind of in that two to three range. I think after a homestand, a couple of these games, you start to see him get his groove. The only part of it that worries me, it's not him getting disconnected from basketball or being pissed off that they didn't add players around him. I'm not buying into any of that right now. The only thing for me is 
the Tyler Jimmy collaboration as Tyler continues to get more of the reins of this offense. Can Jimmy still engage and get to his spots the way that he did? Because it is Brady. You mentioned it. It's an underrated part of them getting to the finals last year. It doesn't mean that they couldn't have gotten there with Tyler. Cause I think Tyler would have played at a high level, but they found a game that was very consistent. Okay. And it was very simplified. Jimmy was the offense. Okay. Jimmy would just go. He had shooters around him. Sometimes they shot well. Sometimes they didn't shoot well. They shot better than they did during the regular season. Um, And they defended their asses off, and the ball went to Jimmy when it had to. Now, because you have a 23-year-old that you're trying to give more of the reins to, there's more of a diversification to the offense. That should be good, ultimately. But there are growing pains to it. And if it causes Jimmy to be less effective at times, it's something that I think we need to monitor. That's that's what I would look at. It's not about body language. It's about collaboration. And if these two guys can figure out how to make one plus one equal at least 2.5 or at least two, because sometimes to me it looks like one plus one is equaling 1.5. And if that's the case, it leads to our second problem, which Brady, you go. Yeah, so I think when you, you threw it out there about like being like what scares you most, it really has to be the offense because – I think the reason that most people are having like PTSD from for this season and watching them with a one and three start is that they just saw this team have a one and three start last season and they saw how that bad that regular season was and they saw that they had a bottom five offense throughout that year and it's like what what is different like what is changing this year that makes you think that won't happen again uh, so like the part that scares you is can this offense is there an answer to this offense like what is the answer to this offense because we've seen. Tyler Hero just had a big game, 35 points and super efficient, but they lost. We've seen a game that they shot 49% from three and they've lost. We've seen like, we've seen certain things that you want to see like bits and pieces, but like it doesn't equal wins and the offense never can figure things out consistently. And then obviously Alex, you brought the numbers about the starting lineup, which I've actually thought their starts to games have probably been the best the offense has looked over the all across the four games, like the beginning of games when they get it and just start, they play faster. It feels like in that lineup, which is surprising. Cause I remember Ethan, we would talk about how are they going to play faster if they have two veteran older guys in the lineup? Well, they are like, they're figuring it out in that, that bunch. So I'm not really worried about it from that perspective. And then you look at it and say, well, they're not fully healthy. They don't have Caleb Martin and Haywood Highsmith, but those are the guys, as much as we think Caleb could take a bigger offensive role and Haywood's improved the shooting. Those are more defensive minded wings. Like these aren't guys that are saving your offense and changing your offensive dynamic. So that's what I think the worry becomes like, how can, what can they do consistently to figure this out? Tyler and Bam take Tyler and Bam both had a big game in the same game and it didn't work out either in that same, what was it? The Boston game. They both had huge games and it didn't mean anything. So part of this probably leans back to Jimmy. And I think that's why that's a problem is because the next step here to figuring out the offense is like, well, you just need Jimmy to be great. Or you don't even probably need Jimmy to be great. You probably need him to be good consistently. But if he's not that and he takes possessions off and he takes a game off, I don't think there's any answer really. They have to like shoot above 50% from three to really figure things out. So I do think that's a worry. Uh, Bam being out and not having a point guard is problematic. Like when we talked about the point guard situation all year, all off season, and then you see Bam playing and he's literally their only playmaker He's their only guy they can get to, and then he's out as well. That hurts. But I just think overall, I'm just – I watch this team, and I'm like, what are they trying to accomplish offensively? I thought Tyler had a really good game in terms of getting to his spots. 
But like, if he's not doing that, if he and we've seen him not do that at times, it's like, what are they trying to get to? And when he's inefficient, we start saying, well, Tyler's inefficient. He's hurting the offense. But if Tyler's not inefficient, he's not getting those shots up. What shots are they getting up? Because I haven't seen consistent looks from anybody else when he's not shooting. So it's almost better probably to just bet on Tyler to just get shots up because at least he has the potential of getting hot. So the offense has really been a mess. And I think it's, I'm not. I'm with you, Ethan. I'm not high on the the, the frightening meter with Jimmy Butler because I've seen it before. I think he figures it out. But in terms of the offense, when I've just seen too many signs of last season, uh, it's hard not to be worried about where where this offense can lead to. Ethan, can I lend to what Brady's talking about here? Yes, you can. And then you can give your own scream meter, uh, scare meter uh, from one to ten on this as well. Okay, well, on the offense right now, Jimmy? Okay, well, that yes. oh, man, that's going to be – oh, man. <laughs> that's going to be much higher on the scale than than Jimmy. Because, like, even after, like, going through some of the numbers, again, it's only, what what is it, four games in, some of this stuff is bound to change. But this has kind of been a theme, not only for this regular season, but I think towards the end of last regular season, this was something that was starting to happen. And it's something that I've kind of hammered a little bit. Their shot profile and the way that they've started to lean more and more towards the mid-range. And at one point last season, like, they had, like, a, I don't remember what the number was, but they were top 10. And as far as like the amount of threes taken, that number has fallen a lot. Like they, they're not taking, let me see. So they're right now taking their 25th in percentage of their shot distribution coming from three. And then on the other hand, they are number one in percentage of shots coming from the mid range. And not only are they number one, they're number one by like a staggering amount. 39% of their shots come from the mid range. You know who, what number two is? Phoenix. Right, Phoenix with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, they're down. They're below Miami in, by about seven percent, more or less, in shots taken in the mid range. So it's just a really weird thing going on right now. And obviously, that accounts for short and long mid range. Not all of those shots are the same, but it's a it, it's a theme that's happening. And then on the other end, right when you talk about what they're doing at the rim, they are last in the league when it comes to percentage of shots taken at the rim. Like they're their finishing at the rim has actually been okay. It's about in the middle. But again, their shot distribution right now is less threes, even less attempts at the rim somehow. Obviously, some of that is skewed by Jimmy not playing the one game. And then doubling down on the mid-range. The bigger problem is last year, they were very good in the mid-range and on high volume. This time, <laughs> they are 27th right now when it comes to converting those mid-range shots. So the offense is just a mess. Like, they're they're... The shots that they're taking the most, they're not doing it at a good rate. And then they're, they're taking less threes and they're taking less shots at the rim. Like, I'm very scared about this offense. And I guess if I had to put a number, I'll put it, I don't know, 7.5 on the scare meter. I think the only reason it's not higher is because we haven't seen the team in full yet. The defense is supposed to carry the offense, as we talked about before. And so I, I would be less worried about it if it's like, okay, you have this elite defense that's helping keep you in these games and you don't have to worry so much. But it's almost hard to even think about that right now because the offense is just such a mess and you have Jimmy playing at this level. So it's like hard to, hard to conceptualize. Yeah. And the guys that, that are, we're waiting to come back and this is going to get into our third part here. Uh, they are, they lean, they lean defense. Uh, and so I don't know that they're necessarily going to help the offense a ton. I think one of them could, but uh, I think you know, it I could just for putting high. guys back in their place, by the way. And it another could, thing could, I forgot to say, Ethan, Mm -hmm. Their offense completely goes 
off a cliff when Tyler Hero is not on the floor. They have a 110 offensive rating when he's on the floor, and when he's off, it's 85. They have a lot <laughs> which, to figure which, out, is what I'm trying to say. Which, really scary. Which is why which is why they when you know the criticism of tyler came for one inefficient game against minnesota i'm kind of like okay they're asking him to do this and and so there's going to be games like that for him and there are games for all the scorers like that um he's not the only one in that and this is a transition that they're going through at the start of this year i feel like there's always a transition with tyler there's there was the transition to him playing more point and then the next year there was a transition uh, to, you know, and running the bench. And then there was a transition to, uh, to last year to him being in the starting lineup. And now there's the transition to him taking more of the offensive responsibility. So every year there's these growing pains and I'm not necessarily sure that they're his fault. It's just, it's kind of like where it falls with him. Um, I will say I'm, I'm pretty concerned about the offense also. I don't think they're going to be a particularly good offensive team. I don't, I, I think there are elements here that Spolster can work with, but you know, I said the high end point would be 12 to 15. Now that I've seen it, I would take 18 to 20 this year offensively if they can get their defense where it needs to be when some of these other guys return. All right, we're going to talk about the third issue here because this plays into it. Uh, but before we do, I want to mention another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Maybe they can clean up the offense. Water cleanup of Florida. Go to WCUFL.com. That's WCU fl.com michael robert and his team i'm in a fantasy basketball league with greg and and michael he needs to help clean up my team it's your one-stop water and mold cleanup shop water cleanup of florida wcufl.com based in boca raton they service the entire area they'll do a great job for you they got more than 70 five-star reviews on google and more lots of recommendations fully certified and they can do the preventative uh, service for you as well because we know after the fact the insurance companies do not take care of you most of the time. So go to WCUFL.com. Again, that's WCUFL.com, water cleanup of Florida. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. All right, the number three one is is this, and this is more historically based than anything based on what's actually going on right now because um, I don't know how many of these injuries they've had early in the season or, or absences or you know, sort of maintenance to kind of make sure that you don't make something worse and have, you know, something that could have been one week or two weeks end up being four weeks or how many of it is, you know, Caleb came back and then, 
you know, he didn't really look comfortable. I talked to him afterwards and then started got downgraded to questionable, downgraded to out, etc. But I'm just going to go back historically, and I mentioned this on the pod last year. There have been many heat seasons, okay, in which they never got healthy. And all year long, we would hear, well, whenever we're healthy, when we have our full group, and sometimes it just doesn't happen. I, you know, I go back to the 14-15 season was an example of this. There have been many other examples where that you just don't get the full group. Sometimes you're healthy at the beginning and then you have a, you know, a lightning bolt like Chris Bosch going out and you got to adjust to that. And they've had that kind of situation as well. Sometimes it's been a star who just is never 100% right the whole year, like Dwayne Wade in 13-14, for example, and other years in 2007-2008. They did not plan on tanking in 2007, 2008. They were coming back with a team that, yes, had gotten swept out of the first round by Chicago the previous year, but had was the core of a championship team from two years prior. And they were just banged up the whole beginning of the year. Even UD, okay, got hurt. Dwayne got hurt. Everybody got hurt. And then at a certain point, it was like, okay, now they're sort of intentionally sitting and playing all of the G League. I'm not saying that that's at the time it was the never team. forgive Shane Battier for what he did to Wade that year. No, I'm just kidding. Well, exactly. Well, we, I think forgiving him for making all the threes in the finals, we can we can get over it. But yes, that, that played into it. And you were playing Kasib Powell and Stefan Lazmi and a whole bunch of guys who, uh, you know, I guess they were heat culture just because they played on the team, but probably didn't belong in the NBA. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen here, but I'm just saying that. As the weeks start to go on, if they're they can be missing with their depth, in my view, two rotation level players per night. I think they can get by with that. Uh, there's enough guys to plug in. Brady, you made the call for Jovic to play more. Kevin Love sitting on a given night, which he's done once for rest already. That, I, that will provide opportunities. Hawkes, people want him to play more. He's capable of maybe playing more minutes. So somebody sits out. I think two. Okay. Too, okay, and we're talking about when you start to add, you know, Highsmith and Caleb back to the mix. Josh Richardson was back in the mix last night. Once you get past two, all right, or once you have a star plus one, a which is I'm talking about Bam or Jimmy primarily, but look, they rely so much on Tyler offensively that you've got to include him now. If they're missing one plus one all the time, or one plus two, or three three rotation players, that's really problematic okay because then you are asking the guys who are still there to carry and i don't know that they have enough guys who are capable of carrying and also this is a group where it is so fragile offensively that if you're constantly pulling a piece out and putting another piece in and put i mean you look at the lineup data for the first four games like there's like three thousand combinations that spose played already and his most effective combination was some bleepy through at the wall when they were down 25 against Milwaukee, which totally skews the numbers, right? Where you had Orlando Robinson out there with Nikola Jovic. And the only positive I took from the whole thing was Hero and Richardson played quite a bit together, which is, I think is something we're going to see going forward. And it was it was effective. But you you cannot have this in and out all year. And and I you can't even at this point, you know, have it as an excuse because you know this happens to you every year. <laughs> right and so you know in part that is why you've built the depth and we have to see the depth kick in when some of these guys are out but also if they're if it's going to be like this where it's two three four guys out all the time 
this is going to be a sub 500 team. I'm sorry. They just are like, I, I don't think that there's enough star power to carry them. I had them at 47 wins and I'll hold to it for now. One and three starts, not going to move me off that when they typically do get better after the all-star break under Spo marches his best month, et cetera, et cetera. I'm giving all these caveats, but I'm concerned about how many players are on the injury report early this season. I just, I am. And I, cause I do not think they're, then their depth goes from being, okay, it's an advantage to kind of be able to plug the holes to, okay, we don't have enough to plug the holes and we don't have the star level talent that some of these teams have. And you're asking Spo to do the, we have enough trick too many nights. And so that's kind of where we're at. So my level of concern on it is a six. Um, I don't know where you guys are on it, but uh, I, I want to see the full complement of the roster sooner rather than later here so that we're not still talking about this in December or January. I just want to say, I know they always say next man up and all that stuff. Uh, it's, I'll just say like they, I think their depth is a key for this team. And I think we've all said that, but it's easier to do it like in a playoff setting where we were just talking about, like they had their offense of what it was. And it's just like, okay, if this guy's out, he's doing this role specifically and that's it. In the regular season, when the offense looks like this, and I know we keep going back to our prior points, but like when it looks like this and they don't really have a simplified offense and it's just a big like mess, it's hard to like keep saying like, okay, this guy's out. We're just going to throw this guy in this role when there's not like a simplified role for that guy because he's having to do so much different things. That's the issue because there's no continuity yet. Like once they have the continuity of the main group and either what you're saying, if they have two guys at, like, yeah, they can, they can throw Jovic in for love. They can throw a, Caleb in for Josh like I'm just trying to th- like they could do different combinations and it won't be that different but yet when we have not seen the full group when the system has not looked <laughs> like a real offensive system and it's not looked like what we've known seen it to be I guess in, in prior months in the playoffs and I know we do this every year where we like remember what we just saw in the playoffs from the offense and it's just not equal to whatever we see in the, in the regular season it's two totally different game plans but either way I totally agree They they need to, it's easy to say like they need to get healthy. This isn't one of those things like, okay, they need to figure out the offense. Like, yeah, getting healthy is not something you could just do. It's not something you can prepare for, but for 100%, they got to have to, I think they just need like a, they need like a four or five game stretch where they just have their core people together and then they can build off that from there and they can figure out the depth stuff, but they just haven't had that initial, like initial baseline yet. They haven't been able to really figure it out. And then, you mentioned the preseason and we have, we've kind of didn't think it was a big deal, but when you don't use the, the preseason to figure out your baseline, even if it is the same team, it makes things so much tougher now when you're like grasping for it on game five of the regular season. So 100%, uh, I still think the offense is way higher on the scale. I think that's the highest on the scale, but I'm probably mid tier, probably around a five, I guess, for, for the, the injury status. Yeah, I mean, my worry about it is that by the time Haywood Highsmith comes back in two or three weeks or whenever that is, that there'll be four more guys out. Like, that just, I don't know, it just feels like that. Maybe I'm just defeatist at this point because I've seen it for too many seasons. But they did not get a look oh, at the Donald Glover meme where he walks in with a box of pizza and the room is on fire? Right. Yeah, exactly. Everything is fine, right? Uh, I, but when, when I look at, at their preseason, you know, a lot of it was to evaluate guys, obviously. But they never got to a baseline because Caleb was dealing with the knee thing. Haywood got hurt towards the end. Josh got hurt towards the end. Jimmy wasn't in there, right? So, I mean, really, the guys who got reps were were Bam, Tyler, uh, Kyle got reps, Kevin got reps. And now we've kind of seen that that core in the starting lineup, like you mentioned, the starting lineup data 
is pretty decent, um, you know, overall. But these other pieces, they have suppose, – suppose talked about how he likes the alignment of the roster, that, uh, you know, it, it's not as much duplication as last year in the wrong ways. It's more in the right ways this time. And I think there – so there is some interchangeability. When one guy goes out, you can play another. But I, I, it just hit me when they're playing against Boston and they don't have, you know, their top three wing defender role guys. We can talk about whether Jimmy's one of their three best wing defenders, but their top three wing defender role guys are all not in on the same night against a team that has dominant level wings. And the fact that they were in that game as much as they were, and if the Heat's dominant level wing had actually played to a somewhat dominant level, they might have won the game. Some will take that as encouraging, and you can. I take it as, are they ever going to have all their wings healthy? Because I'd like to see what that looks like. I'd like to see what a closing lineup looks like defensively where you can put Haywood and Caleb and Josh out there uh, with Bam and Jimmy and lock it down and go offense-defense with Tyler. And I guess this is, again, not their, I'm not blaming this on them. I've just seen this story too many times, and so that's why I'm a little freaked out about it, Alex. Me too. Me too. Like, I, I, I've I, seen this before. I, I feel you, and I'm I'm going to say, you said you were a six on, on the scare meter for this. I guess I'll go, I'll go seven. I'll go a little higher. Not because I think it's going to permeate the whole season, but I think there's a chance it could, right? And I think it starts with Jimmy because – um, I, I believe it was you who had, who had heard before the season from some of his people that um, he was ready to play at an MVP level, shooting for 70 games. If that's the case, then I'm not really worried about it. But if Jimmy is going to be playing at the level and at the rate that he has been so far, then I'm worried because I don't think they can afford to lose Jimmy. Like it's And like you said before, most teams can't. They the Heat definitely don't have the talent level to be – um, to be able to afford that. So I think it starts with him. And then, like you said, if, if you're constantly missing a bunch of rotation players, that's just compounding things. And I don't think we've seen this team yet how it's supposed to be, right? And not to excuse anything we've seen, because I think we all expected them to start a, a little better than this, right? Where it wouldn't feel quite so disheartening. But, like, we haven't seen the idea of this team, like, come to life yet with what this roster is because like I said before, it's supposed to be defense first. And then the, the defense is good enough where like the, it can keep the offense like um, just afloat. It doesn't have to be a great offense, but enough to where you can get some wins in a regular season and get decent seating, right? Get to a five seed or something, right? Where you're not having to play for your life. And I think all of that is built on your defense. We haven't seen that yet. So that's the, the real like benefit of the doubt when they give them. The silver lining is um, Hakez and Jovic have both looked really smooth when they come in. I think both of them have, have actually contributed to helping the offense move a little bit uh, when they're in the game in their own different ways. And I think that's really encouraging because you have two guys who may be able to play in the rotation sooner rather than later. Um, and then, like I said before, the starting five apparently is just not a problem right now, even though they haven't played all that many minutes together yet. That's been good. They really have to figure out their rotation and they haven't really had a chance to because of all the guys out. I think, you know, this homestand is going to tell us a little bit um, who plays does Jimmy engage and offensively can they find any kind of cohesion. And to be honest, those three things are in some ways related uh, all of them together, because I, I want to see the cohesion between Jimmy and Tyler. I want to see some of the role players get back on the floor. We saw Josh get back on the floor. I'm going to say it again. I think the most encouraging thing about the comeback against Milwaukee talk about Jovic or Orlando Robinson. 
was Hero and Josh getting those reps together because I think that is going to matter as the season goes on, and we just didn't get to see that in the preseason very much, not as much as we expected. I thought that would be the starting backcourt, and even though Alex gave us the the uh, the offensive the on-off numbers for the starting lineup, I still think it should be the starting backcourt. Anyway, thanks to our sponsors, Better Edge, use the code 5RSN, and also Water Cleanup of Florida, WCUFL.com. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.